crazy, crazy stories around the NHL over the last 24 hours with Kyle Dubas being fired by the Toronto Maple Leafs, along with the Hurricanes-Panthers game going to four overtimes. There are no shortage of topics to discuss. We're going to get into the Kyle Dubas situation first. Does it mean anything for the Penguins in their search for new hockey operations staff? That's coming up right after this drop. You're locked on Penguins. Your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am, of course, your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at Animals for Penguins. And of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all platforms. Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash LockedOnNHL. And when you enter promo code LockedOnNHL, they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti style tumbler with every order. So a lot of news to discuss. Some of the penguin related, someone not, some not, but it's also NHL related as a whole, which is why I'm going to talk about it on the show. But the the big news of the day on Friday, no, Penguins have not hired their general manager slash president of hockey operations yet. More on that a little later on for this episode. But we did see the Maple Leafs and Kyle Dubas part ways uh, late Friday morning into Friday afternoon. Came out of nowhere. It seemed like for a while that Dubas was going to stay in Toronto. And then I watched the press conference. And I don't know if any of you guys were watching it. But that just turned into a complete and utter disaster. I did not major in public relations in college, even though you know that major was really close to what I majored in. I majored in journalism at the comm department at Virginia Tech. But it doesn't take a genius to see that there was some really bad PR there. Uh, Kyle Shanahan, I'm Kyle Shanahan, Brendan Shanahan was just detailing everything that happened, just telling the world, honestly, about his entire relationship with Dubis about how, you know, this for this past season, at least, and how he loved his work in the offseason, loved the work at the trade deadline, liked how the season went. Even after the season ended, he wanted him back. Kyle also expressed an interest to come back. He put him in touch, put Shanahan in touch with his agent. And then it kind of seemed to all go south because Shanahan basically said during the press conference, after Dubis spoke to the media earlier this week on Monday, Apparently, Brendan said he really started to change his outlook on Dubas being the general manager. He said he honestly felt like he had to start searching in a, or going in another direction. And then it got even weirder when apparently Dubas sent an email or text to Shanahan on Thursday saying, I would like to still be the GM. Brendan got it, he said. He got a call from his agent. He said it was a short conversation must have not liked the contract offer. And then today, they just decided to fire him. Really, really bizarre situation. And then he goes on in the press conference saying that the Maple Leafs want, I guess, more of an experienced general manager. I can't wait to see how that train wreck goes. If I had to guess, I think Brad Living is going to be their general manager whenever, if the, if the Flames also want to grant them permission to interview him because the Penguins, just, the Penguins asked to interview Living and the Flames said no. No, but there's not a lot of good experienced GMs out there right now that will fit that 
And that was also this also going to show why the Penguins should probably, you know, finish this up sooner rather than later with how there's now another GM opening. But in terms of what this means for the Penguins, I know everyone's going to discuss, well, Hunter, what's going on with Kyle Dubas? Is he going to come to Pittsburgh? Look, look. The Penguins are already very far along in their search for a new GM. It has been five weeks, five weeks from today, when they fired Brian Burke, Chris Pryor, and Ron Hextall. I don't think they are just going to magically interview Kyle Dubas for their GM spot win. It's widely been reported that they have at least three main finalists, if not another one, in the mix. Matthew Darsh, Dan McKinnon, and Eric Tolsky are the three main ones we know. There's a chance Steve Grilly or Jason Cormanos are in there. John Chaika, we don't know if he's there for President Hockey Officer GM, but those are the names that have been really thrown around a lot as of late in terms of the second round interviews for this team. The only way I see Dubis even considering coming to Pittsburgh and slim chance at that is if he's the president of hockey operations. I, I understand what he said earlier in the week where he said if he's not the GM in Toronto next year, he does not want to work anywhere and be a GM anywhere. He said he would take time to spend time with his wife, his family, just kind of take a year off. And I actually heard that from someone earlier today after the news came out, someone who is close up with the Maple Leafs in Toronto who kind of covers who covers them. He told me that you know, he spoke to someone who said that he thinks Kyle is going to take a year off and if he does come back to watch the Ottawa Senators. So that was interesting. And that's also been widely reported by others. So I'm not, I'm not surprised that this person also found that out today too. But again, I, I'm sure Fenway will give him a call. Hey, Kyle, you know, I know you're out of your job. How does this sound for President Hockey Ops? We'll throw it, we'll give you a nice contract or something. We'll see if he would take it. Again, money does talk, but also with how Kyle sounded during that press conference earlier in the week, he sounded gassed, to be honest. Just sounded like he really does need time off. And I'm not saying, you know, he's lying or anything. I don't think he would do that. I, I, maybe, I, maybe you could say I'm taking him too much at face value. And it was maybe just an, um, a public negotiating tactic. I don't know. But I, I do think it's more unlikely than it is likely that Dubas comes here in any sort of capacity. I, I don't think he'll be for the GM spot. I think if he does come here, and again, it is a very slim chance, it will be for a president of hockey operations and someone they would hire someone to be the general manager, whether that's Tolsky, McKinnon, Darsh, or if there's like a mystery can because, you know, there's potential for that as well. I'll get into that a little later on for this episode. But no, it, it would make sense. You know, Fenway, that's the position where they could hire more experience. You know, that's why I think John Chaika is still involved. Dubas would make sense there. He could kind of, I guess, run the show in a way while also having a first-time general manager really involved with the decision-making process. I think maybe the final say could come down to the GM while Kyle could still be, you know, just running the hockey operation side. He wouldn't have, I guess, the final say, but he would still be just running the department as a whole. I think that would be kind of intriguing for him. But again, I personally don't see it right now. I think they're going to, if the Penguins do hire both jobs, it's going to be someone else at president. And it's going to be, I think, a younger GM 
who's never really done it before. I, I made my prediction on my Thursday episode. I'm going to stick by it. There's just I, I don't see it. I don't see it right now. I, I do think Dubis probably has some hard feelings towards the Leafs after how this all went down. He's probably very hurt, but I also do think he's going to take some time away here, and you know just. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say just you know take a year off or anything like that, but you know just take a little bit of time. I, I just don't see the Penguins getting him. I would love to be wrong if he's the president of hockey operations. I'll eat all the crow, but right now, Yens, I personally do not see it. So that was the big news of the day today, and then you know we also saw Frank Sarvali. You know, speaking of the GM speak, of the GM talk, excuse me, from Thursday. I, I post my episode. There was some stuff that came out from Elliot Freeman on the Jeff Merrick show where Elliot said, you know, he, he's heard it. it's down to about three to five people. He continued to mention Darsh, McKinnon, and Tolsky as the finalists. You really can't go wrong with any of those people. I I think the pros heavily outweigh the cons for any of them. McKinnon knows the organization. Darsh is ready for a full-time GM job. Tolsky is also ready for a full-time GM job. You 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 cannot go wrong. Obviously, there could be someone that comes in from the shadows. Remember, I mean, I was back in high school when this happened, 2014, when Jim Rutherford was hired. Came out of the shadows. Remember, it was down to Pierre Maguire and what, Julian Brisbaugh, who's the current Tampa Bay Lightning general manager. He was very much in that search. The Penguins interviewed him multiple times after, (coughs) excuse me, Ray Shiro was fired. And Rutherford... Came in out of nowhere. I think he was also a finalist. So it was it was those three at the end, and they gave it to Rutherford, and they made the right choice. They kind of got lucky that Jim found a pot of gold in late 2015 into 2016 to 2017 before it all went south a little after that with some of his decisions. But it worked out. We'll have to see if someone else emerges from the shadows or if these finalists are – if one of these finalists does indeed – get the gig. And Frank Sarvalli did report on the daily face-off rundown on his podcast with Jason Greger that, and I quote, he said, I would be surprised if the Penguins and Flames do not have general managers by next Thursday, the time they're recording. So over the next six days, he thinks the Penguins will make a decision. Makes sense. Memorial Day weekend is next weekend. The next Friday is what, the 26th of May, right? NHL draft is in a month, basically, at that point. Got to get someone in here sooner rather than later. That's the thing. You know, it's been already been five weeks, and you're, you're running a robust process, and, and it makes sense. You want to get this right. Got to take your time. But also you have to think about, you'll have four weeks to prep for the draft, four and a half until free agency, some RFAs to sign, some UFAs to figure out, Jason Zilker especially. You need to figure this out. And... Without that, I already have finalists. I don't think this is going to drag on too much longer. I, I, I'm guessing right now as well. I do think you'll see a decision next week. So that does it for this first segment of the Locked On Penguins podcast. Coming up in the second segment, we are going to discuss that freaking wild, and I mean that wild game between the Carolina Hurricanes and the Florida Panthers last night. If you were up until 2 a.m., watching it or even just listening to it on the radio you know you all are all you all are the real MVPs I I I loved watching it just because a I'm a night owl and b I didn't have work today for my full-time gig so that was perfect for me but that's coming up after this commercial break but before we get into that we do have to discuss bird dogs 
Are you tired of sacrificing comfort for style when it comes to your active wear? Well, we're introducing Bird Dogs, the game changer in athletic shorts. Picture this, premium shorts designed for maximum performance combined with unparalleled comfort. Bird Dogs, they are here to revolutionize your workout routine with their unique built-in liner. These shorts offer ultimate support and flexibility, ensuring you stay comfortable during even the most intense workouts. And here's the best part. They are more than just workout gear. They're versatile enough to take you from the gym to the street without even skipping a beat. Designed with pockets that actually work, they give you ample space to store your essentials while you're on the move. Bird Dogs are made with premium, breathable fabric that keeps you cool and dry throughout your activities. Perfect for the trails, the gym, or simply lounging around. They are these shorts you've been searching for. Order your pair of Bird Dogs today and join the thousands of satisfied customers who have made the switch. Visit birddogs.com slash LockedOnNHL and enter promo code LockedOnNHL to get a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti style tumbler with every order. Bird Dogs are style meets comfort and performance meets perfection. Get yours now and unleash your true potential. All right, I'm back here in this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LRS Penguins. And, of course, thank you so much for making this your first listen slash watch of the day. We're free and available on all platforms. What a crazy game between the Hurricanes and the Panthers on Thursday night. Again, I had off work today, so I could stay up as late as I wanted to. I wanted these two teams to play all night, and they basically did in a way. I almost got to five overtimes. And, of course, they all had to remind everyone of the Keith Primo game of the five-overtime game between the Penguins and the Flyers in 2000 when I was two and a half years old. I actually – this is a funny story. I called my mom today, and, again, she's the person that really got me into the hockey. Uh, biggest One of the biggest Penguins fans you ever meet. And, I actually, I, I, I told her about it because she doesn't follow it as much as she used to anymore, but she still keeps up with it a little bit, right? And I asked her, I said, do you remember where you were for that game? And she goes, oh, I absolutely remember where I was. And she goes, you know, you were in bed. We were living in Philadelphia and I was downstairs with your dad watching it. And she says, I'm, I was very lucky. I didn't wake you up because I screamed so loud when they lost. I feel like she's like, I feel like the neighbors heard me down the street. I was like, oh, well, no, I know. I was a little too young for it. I did obviously go back and watch the game and felt the pain that all of you older Penguins fans had when you all were watching it, but I figured that would just be a little funny story to share for this, for this episode. And yes, I was born in Philly for those that do not know, but I think I made the right choice for which team to root for, but just an awesome game. You know, and this, these two teams, they didn't look like they were out of gas. Not at all. Like they were actually legitimately skating, getting these good scoring chances. The goaltending at both sides was tremendous. Heck, we even saw power plays in overtime, which is frowned upon when it comes to playoff officiating. The only time they'll call a penalty if it's just a really terrible hit or if it's a puck out of out of play. I saw they called a hooking penalty. They called a holding penalty. I was like, wow. I'm like, NHL officials actually doing their jobs. <laughs> I just couldn't believe it. But, you know, I'm glad that Kachuk got the goal when he did. I'm glad that the goal was actually a skillful one. So I see so many people on social media say, oh, I want this goal to be so ugly off someone's butt or something. And I'm like, I don't want a team to lose, especially when they've been playing for six freaking hours almost off of someone's butt or leg or foot or arm, whatever body part you want to use for this. That would just be such a crappy way to lose. 
I would feel I would feel way more sick to my stomach off that rather than just you know seeing what Kachuk did, which is a really nice shot. Glove side past Frederick Anderson. And of course it had to be him because he's been their MVP, the Panthers that is all season. And I loved how he just he scored the goal, celebrated a little bit. He's like, I'm out, I'm dipping. <laughs> he he jolted, he bolted right into the locker room. He's like, he probably like, I'm gonna go order a pizza or something like that. Honestly, man, if I was in a game like that. I'd be screaming at the locker room, can we order a pizza down here? And I actually saw that from Dayon Kovacevic, the DK Pittsburgh Sports. He said when he was covering that game, the Penguins, Flyers, a five-overtime game in 2000 when they lost. He said, yeah, apparently the Penguins did order a pizza <laughs> during one of the intermissions. And I'm like, all power to you. I order a cookout tray because since you're down in Raleigh, for those who don't know what cookout is, it's like the best late-night drunk food, like burgers, milkshakes onion rings, like hush puppies, all that stuff. It's so good. I, I would be starving. Uh, those bars probably aren't enough. But it was still a great game to watch. Both teams gave it their all. Panthers go up one nothing in the series. Just a instant classic, the sixth longest game in NHL history. Again, I was having the time of my life. Other things that really stood out, get Wayne Gretzky. You know, put him to bed during a game like that. He was so tired of it. He looked like he was just fighting to stay awake. He honestly just looked like, for those who are watching YouTube, he's just like, uh, uh, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm awake, guys. I'm going to talk now. It just looked like he was just coming in and out of his sleep. It was just so funny to watch. But this is going to be a long series. I picked Carolina in seven. I'm going to stick with it. But... Panthers, man, they have that team of destiny-like feel. Sergei Bobrovsky saved over five goals above expected in that game. He has been a rock for the Panthers this, in these playoffs. Matthew Kachuk continues to do what he's doing. Carter Verhage scores every playoff game. It looks like this is also the seventh straight playoff road game that the Panthers have won during the playoffs. They're playing, this reminds me a lot of the 2012 LA Kings. The goaltending, the star power, the depth, the good coaching. I don't really like Paul Maurice that much, but he's doing a really good job these playoffs. Panthers are playing some excellent hockey, and they look like they were prepared for Carolina with how – because Carolina, like, they like to play along the boards a lot. They also like to shoot a lot from the point and look for those deflections. The Panthers are really doing a nice job winning the board battles and also getting their sticks and their bodies into shooting lanes because that's where a lot of Carolina's offense comes from. You know, <clears throat> they don't – they generate a lot of those chances from the point with those deflections. They can still get to the high danger areas, even though they don't have a lot of that superstar height and talent, but a lot of their offense depends on those point shots. And I think the Panthers did a really nice job shutting those down. Just a really fun game overall. And you no, know, I, I just, I, I had the time. I, it's just, it's something you had to be there to just watch it. And once you're watching it, you, you can't turn it off. I'm sorry. You, you have no choice in the matter. And <clears throat> last night was one of the main reasons why I fell in love with the sport when I was such a young kid. I, I, I always love this sport. <clears throat> it's why I do this show. I, I, I'm such a huge fan of this game. And we saw two of the best teams in the league go out last night. I don't think they're, they're the two best teams left standing. Because I think the Dallas Stars, on the other hand, on the other side of things, I think they are the best team left. But these two right here, based on how they're playing, 
the two by far the two best teams in the conference. I don't care that Boston won all those games in the regular season. That doesn't mean crap. These two teams, with how they're playing, they are the best two teams in the conference, and it's not even close. And remember, I will say, even if the Hurricanes, how do I say this? If the Penguins do decide to hire Eric Tolsky, he can leave during this. If I recall correctly, and I was a bit younger at the time, didn't Chuck Fletcher leave the Penguins during their Stanley Cup run in 2009 to take the job in Minnesota? I know I was a bit younger, but I swear I have that in my memory that he left the Penguins during their cup run to be their GM. So Carolina's already granted them permission. Tolsky can leave if the Penguins make their decision and he accepts the job. Obviously, you know, it would probably hurt to see. It would. I think the Hurricanes would be hurt just because, you know, if they win the cup, he's maybe not fully there for it. But if I recall correctly, and I'm very confident in this, he can leave before their cup run is up or is done. If if they before if they do do this in the cup final, so just wanted to throw that out there for you all. But a lot of fun to watch that one. That wraps up this second segment. Coming up to end the show, we're going to continue our season reviews with the one, the only Brian Dumoulin. What I liked, what I didn't like, and should the Penguins re-sign him? That's coming up right after this commercial break. All right, I'm back in this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter, Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter, at Emerson Penguins. And of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen of the day. We're free and available on all platforms. So, Brian Dumoulin, this is the fourth defenseman that we've done for our season reviews. We still have Jan Ruda, Pio Joseph, Chad Ruido, and Mark Freeman to do. Those are the main names, of course. So, Dumoulin this season played all 82 games. One goal, 25 points in those games. A career high in points. The first time he's had over 20 points in the season since 2018-19 when he played 76 games, had three goals, 23 points in that season. Only the second time in his career that he's had over uh, 20 points in a season. It's funny. The season where he still looks bad defensively, he puts up the best, he puts up the best offensive numbers of his career. Again, I, I will never truly understand that. But again, play all 82 games. 1,400 minutes at 5-on-5. When he was on the ice, the Penguins had 51% of the shot attempts, but it gets ugly real quickly here. When he was on the ice, the Penguins, 52 goals for, 70 goals against. Part of it has to do with Mike Sullivan's deployment. Another part of it has to do with Dumoulin just not having any more. I'm sorry. He's just, he's not the same player Ever since that ankle surgery that he had a few years ago, his skating has just gone downhill. Not able to win those foot races. Not able to defend as well in the defensive zone. Not able to push the puck up the ice zone entry-wise. He he hasn't been there. And I really do think that ankle injury was the beginning of the end for him just a few years ago when he missed quite a few games. You know, it was that... It was the I'm trying to remember. It, it, it was the 2019-2016. Yeah, he only played 28 games that year. I know that was a shortened season, but still, only played 28 games. After that, played 41 games. He missed he missed a bunch of time. He's been a little healthier these last couple of seasons, but before that, 
he missed a, t- a good chunk of time with some injuries and has not been the same since. About the goal share, 51.4%. Scoring chance-wise, the Penguins had 51.4% of those. High danger chances, 51.7%. But high danger goals for, 32 goals for, 43 high danger goals against. He was always in the wrong position at the wrong time. In the defensive zone, it seemed like he just stopped reading plays. And you you saw him get scored on way too much. I mean, it was it was a running joke during the season. Oh, the Penguins, uh, they got scored on. Who's on the ice? Jeff, Jeff Carr, Brian Dumoulin. Good chance. I think Brian, I think Dumoulin played way too much with Crystal Tang. I think that was a big mistake from Mike Sullivan this season was by pairing those two together. And I understand what Latang said after the season to the media where he's most comfortable next to Dumoulin. I get it. I 100% do. But I'm sorry, Chris. Your partner doesn't have it anymore. And that's why you saw Marcus Pedersen get a good chunk of time with Latang, And the numbers were pretty decent. Above 50% in shot attempts, scoring chances, you name it. That, that pairing with Dumo and, and, and Tanger just did not work this season. Actually, you saw Mike Sullivan put him on the bottom pair at times this season just because he was getting a score on virtually every shift he was out there. And, it, it you know, he, he just doesn't have it anymore. I don't think he should be re-signed, nor will he. I think someone will pick him up. I mean, he has a Stanley Cup pedigree. He's still, you know, decently young enough. He's 31 years old. I don't think he's going to get this, like, massive contract for five years, five million, per, anything like that. I don't think so. But I do think he's going to get a multi-year contract for at least a, a decent amount of money just because of this pedigree of being a Stanley Cup champion. I just think the Penguins need to move on in another direction. Thank him for his services. He, The Penguins do not win those Stanley Cups in 2016, in 2017, without him. No questions asked. He was an absolute rock for them in 2016-2017. Great in 2018, 2019 pretty decent. After that, though, when the injuries came in, when he came back, wasn't the same player, and you especially saw it this season. Not good enough in the slightest. So I would be very, very much looking to upgrade over Dumoulin. I would give his season... Ah, man, C-minus, D. I'm not going to give him a total F just because I think it will be unfair because he doesn't have it anymore, but I would say I think a D. And maybe that's being a little generous, but I don't really care at this point. He can't come back. Not good enough from him. And, you know, when he does come back to the arena, assuming he does walk, and again, very good chance he will. I do hope everyone gives him a standing ovation because, again, they do not win those cups without him, and he was a booming presence in that locker room for the penguins did a lot everything right on and off the ice just a great person and again that pair with him and Latang, when both were in their primes there were not five better top pairings in the league than that one and i will die on that hill so this is the end for brian newman thank you so much did a lot of great stuff in this city but I think it's time to move on. And whoever the new regime is that comes in, I think they will notice that, especially if they are forward-thinking, innovative, and analytically inclined. 
So that'll do it for this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. Let me know what you all think down in the comments. You can also send me a DM and all that good jazz. I think next week we're going to find out who gets hired for the new hockey operations department, whether it's just a GM and some other people, whether it's a GM and a president of hockey ops. We will have to see. But I think overall, we're at the end of this process. I think there's only, I'm just guessing here, three to four people left for the GM job. It's up to FSG to, to decide who do they like the best. Is it Eric Tolsky? Is it Dan McKinnon? Is it Matthew Darsh? Is it Steve Gurley? Jason Kamanos? Is it so, is it John Chaika? Is it someone else? It's coming out from the shadows. Is it Jason Bottrell still involved? Who knows? Mystery candidate? Eh, I don't know. But we'll see. We'll find out, I think, next week. So, again, thank you all so much for listening slash watching. I hope you all have a wonderful weekend. We'll talk again on Monday.